Well, welcome to another broadcast day here on the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. The date of today is the day that will live in infamy. And how many Americans are remembering December 7th, 1941? I, that, that irony was not lost on me when I was in the fourth grade, and I remember being uh, assigned to do a, a report on Pearl Harbor. And I didn't make the connection that I was doing it on the 30th anniversary of the attack of Pearl Harbor. That was fifth grade, actually. And my uh, my grandparents came in from 29 Palms and watched it. It was kind of fun. And that's the first time I really started paying close attention to it. I didn't really know a whole lot about it ahead of time. But, I mean, we remember the attack. We remember the sacrifice. We remember Frank, Franklin Delano Roosevelt spending all that time and saying, I'm not going to get into the war we're, we, unless we're attacked. And there was kind of almost this, I don't want to say, it's kind of a equal parts bravado and naivete that uh, the U.S. wouldn't be attacked because why would anyone go after the greatest nation on the earth? But also, why would we think that somebody wouldn't, especially with the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, knowing the Japanese-Hawaiian connections, and also realizing that on December 7, 1941, Hawaii was kind of U.S. territory, but not exactly the 50th state yet. So it was 81 years ago today that America was attacked. Uh, 350 Japanese aircraft attacking uh, Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. Five American battleships were sunk, along with three destroyers. 400 U.S. aircraft were destroyed. The death toll greater than the uh, 9-11 attacks, over 4,000 either killed or wounded. There were uh, investigations wondering whether or not people, everybody always wants to have some kind of conspiracy theory, right? They want to believe that maybe somebody knew and they were, you know, maybe FDR really wanted to get into the war, but publicly he had to say things like, I'm only going to do this if we get attacked. And then, oh, look at that. We got attacked. Um, according to AmericanMinute.com, which is Bill Federer's website, uh, four-star Admiral A.G. Kimmel gave an interview in 1958. Uh, he was talking with the dean of Notre Dame Law School, Clarence Mannion, and he was asked whether or not there were some warnings and maybe they were disregarded. I mean, the U.S. intelligence was far superior to any other in the world. They should have been able to pick this up. That was the thought. And Admiral Kimmel said, General Short and I were not given the information available in Washington. We were not informed of the impending attack because it was feared that action in Hawaii might deter the Japanese from making the attack. I don't understand quite fully what that means, but the president had repeatedly assured the American people that the U.S. would not enter war unless we were attacked and that Japanese attack on the fleet would put the U.S. in war with the full support of the American public. So maybe there was a little bit of that going on. Um, November 15 or 14, rather, 1940, there was an attack in England. Uh, supposedly, Winston Churchill did not warn the city of Coventry of the air raid because in doing so, it, the Nazis would be tipped off that uh, the English, you know, th this is that greater good mentality. If the U.S. were, have to, uh, were to have uh, uh, taken action, it would let the Japanese know, we know your secrets, and they would shift their line of attack. Same thing that happened in England. On January 25th, 1941, at the beginning of World War II, FDR wrote the prologue of a special Gideon's edition of the New Testament and Book of Psalms. It was distributed to millions of soldiers and sailors. He wrote, as commander in chief, I take pleasure in commending the reading of the Bible to all who served in the armed forces of the United States. Sincerely, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He had proclaimed December 8th through the 14th of 1941 to be National Bible Week. 
And interestingly enough, on Sunday, December 7, 1941, NBC, National Broadcasting Company, which was a leading national radio station of the time, invited the founders of the National Bible Association to open programming for the day. As they began reading, the bulletins came in from Hawaii. So instead of just opening the day with one Bible reading, NBC then asked the National Bible Association to keep reading the Bible in between bulletins about Pearl Harbor. And interestingly enough, they wound up reading scripture all day long. You know, the, the beautiful thing about God's word is God's word tells us that it does not come back void. God's word defines God's word. As we are here in the Advent season, we understand that regardless of what we are facing, God's word has the solution for us. And it's remarkable to think of how many thousands of years ago, many of the passages in scripture were written. But what does Paul say in Romans 15, 4, where everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. And he's writing that to the Roman church. He's writing that to Christians in the first century. And it's amazing how we study and study and study and see these words come off the page. And because it's the living and active word of God, it does, in fact, sustain us. It does, in fact, comfort us. It does, in fact, help us knowing that there is an enemy in the world. As I think back on uh, December 7th, 1941, one of the recollections that I have is really very, um, I'm, it, it's kind of basic, it's kind of rudimentary, but I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's very helpful. And that is, if God is for us, who can be against us? He equips us with his word. We are called to live in this world, but not be of this world. And there are going to be battles that we face. I know there are many Christians today who are reeling over the fact that the runoff for the Senate seat in Georgia, the 50, excuse me, the 100th Senate seat uh, to be decided in this current election cycle. And the, uh, you know, on the one hand, as a Christian, you could say, well, a pastor won, so that should be good news. But then when you look at both of the candidates and realize the pastor is a far left-leaning Democrat who supports abortion, supports same-sex, quote-unquote, marriage, supports just about any kind of woke ideology you can think of. And then stands up at the podium last night, as Reverend Raphael Warnock did. Uh, I was talking with my producer, Tamara Cromito, about this. And she said, you know, if you, have you noticed that every time during the campaign leading up to the res regular election, uh, the, the midterms in, on November 8th, Raphael Warnock was Raphael Warnock, or he was Congressman, or excuse me, Senator Warnock. But then as they got closer to the midterm runoff, it was reverend, it was pastor, it was man of the cloth. There are a lot of people who don't understand what's happening. And you know, the, the reason they don't understand is because they've drifted away from God. And so they start looking at material comforts. They start looking at uh, notoriety, fame and success. I can't, I mean, honestly, I, I'm thrilled that people in ministry are getting city council seats and running for school boards and things like that. I think that's great. But the higher up you go, you begin to wonder, well, how is it that, you keep your faith, that you can keep your spiritual feet on the narrow path and still ascend to the rank of senator or vice president or even president or rock star or entertainer, superstar athlete, whatever it is. I, when I hear about the super wealthy purchasing things, and I, I think it boggles my mind, I could never even fathom having that much. But then the question I always come back to is, yeah, but what does it gain that person if 
they sold their soul out to gain the whole world. People have been looking for meaning as long as Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. I mean, going all the way back that time. But there's one book in scripture that helps us to understand what life in the 21st century world of a Christian uh, can throw at you and how do we still find meaning by looking back to the Old Testament. Russell Meek is going to join me on the other side of this break for a conversation about a book that oftentimes has been turned into nothing but poetry. Um, it's, it doesn't really have a whole lot of uh, you know meaning to other people outside of uh, people like Russell Meek, who teaches Old Testament and Hebrew at Moody Theological Seminary and also William Tennant School of Theology. He's written a book that will help, I think, us make sense of the times we're living in. And this is not a, well, the election didn't go my way, I'm feeling sad. Or this is the anniversary of Pearl Harbor, I'm feeling sad. It's really not because it's more than just a happy and sad moment. It's a why am I here and what is the meaning of life moment in a crazy world. Russell Meek's book is called Ecclesiastes and the Search for Meaning in an Upside-Down World. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're going to get into this dialogue coming up next as the bottom line continues. To everything, there is a season. And this season for us today here on The Bottom Line is to talk about the book verse comes from. But it's not something that people necessarily look to uh, on a regular basis. But we've got an Old Testament scholar joining us today to have a conversation. The book we're talking about is Ecclesiastes. And there's a brand new uh, book by Dr. Russell Meek called Ecclesiastes and the Search for Meaning in an Upside-Down World. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Russ Meek, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Russell Meek teaches Old Testament and Hebrew at Moody Theological Seminary and also William Tennant School of Theology. And we'll have a link for russmeek.com up at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, is it fair, uh, Dr. Meek, to call you an Old Testament nerd? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> when did that love start? Because I love reading your work and I think this is, well, this is really fun. I mean, but then I thought, wait a minute, young Russ Meek had to develop an interest in the Old Testament somewhere because now you've got a master's and a PhD in it. When, when did that love begin for you? Uh, you know what? Um, my mom went to a garage sale uh, when I was 12 years old and brought uh -huh. me home a book called uh, Introduction to the Old Testament by Eugene Merrill. Uh, he's a really well-known Old Testament scholar. And so I started reading that book, uh, hmm. sit, sit there uh, eating breakfast before school and uh, <laughs> reading this Old Testament textbook. And that's that's what got me on the path. I love it. I was just talking to Jerry Jenkins the other day about his love of sports writing. And he was about the same age when he used to do what way back in the day they call it, would consider fantasy baseball games. And I said, well, that, a lot of kids did that with their baseball cards. He goes, yeah, but then I used to write articles about them afterwards and turn them into <laughs> local paper. I said, oh, you were that kid, huh? Well, Russ Meek, you were that kid too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To Ecclesiastes. Uh, so you developed this love. I mean, you obviously, it sounds like you grew up in a home that loved the Lord. You know, your Christian faith was strong, but it was more than just Sunday school faith. I mean, what did your parents do? What did your family do? What kind of church ex existence did you have that really instilled for you as a 12-year-old, a love that said, I want to dig deeper because this guy's a prominent Old Testament scholar. I wouldn't have known that at age 12. Sure. You know, uh, it, it's actually, it's kind of a strange story um, because I did grow up like in a, in a Christian home. My primary influence uh, was my grandmother, though. She uh, lived down the road from me and um, she passed away when I was uh, 11, 12 years old. Um, but she took me to church when I was a kid and then um, just really instilled like a, a love love for the Lord in my heart. Um, but then, you know, I, my, um, my mom got remarried. My, my parents were divorced when I was six. My mom got remarried and I 
actually grew up going to church, but um, my stepdad was uh, very abusive. And so there was this weird uh, and really difficult like experience of, you know, you have your Sunday morning kind of uh, life and then like the rest of your life and the two don't really mix, you know, um, then I became a Christian right before I went off to college. And then when I went to college, I, I met a guy who was the um, like a campus minister there. And mm -hmm. he he pointed me to uh, the book of Psalms um, to help me work through kind of this this inconsistency and uh, difficult you know, teenage years that I'd experienced. Hmm. Good counsel along the way, especially, you know, when you come from those form formative years being so rocky and uh, kind of tough upbringing. And yet I think it kind of goes nicely with the title of your book, Dr. Russell Meek, uh, the book called Ecclesiastes and the Search for Meaning in an Upside Down World. We have a link for the book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. How did you put this thing together? The, the, what you're writing here? I mean, we've, we've read the stories before and you could read Ecclesiastes start to fall to finish. And then at the end, you, you see what, you know, Solomon, you know, kind of surmises at the end of it, but you're digging a little deeper and challenging us here. Sure. You know, I started reading it uh, when I was in seminary. Um, I was really struggling with my faith, struggling to understand like who God is and how um, I can like, how in the world I can like live the Christian life, you know, and um, the book of Ecclesiastes with that statement, everything is meaningless. You know, I thought, man, if I can, if a guy in the Bible can say something like that, then surely there's hope for me, you know, and one scholar called Ecclesiastes the back door to the Christian faith. Um, mm. And so I started working with a professor um, there in seminary, translating the book and reading it and um, realized, you know, that this, this word that we typically translate meaningless or vanity or something like that um, is actually this reference to the Cain and Abel narrative and hmm. Abel having, you know, this first example of a righteous sufferer or someone who really doesn't get what they deserve in life. And um, that's what I ended up writing my dissertation on, you know, dissertation is basically just like a 300 page, super boring paper that like even your mom is not going to read uh -huh. um and really just that really grasped my heart you know this idea that ecclesiastes is struggling with this the inconsistencies and the injustices that we see and that we experience in life and he comes out on the other side i don't think he says everything is meaningless but i think he says everything is is like able you know kind of turned upside mm -hmm. down mm -hmm. and we can in light of that we can fear God, you know, trust him, walk with him, and then also enjoy uh, the gifts that he gives us. And so it gave me these kind of two handholds for walking with the Lord that I really needed. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you saying that, Dr. Russell Beek, because how many times do we find ourselves in a moment of despair? You know, and you brought up the Psalms as a great reminder. But then when you think of Ecclesiastes, I'm trying to think of what else in the Old Testament or just the Bible on the whole is kind of a parallel to that. And maybe Job, I guess, sure. you know, just mm -hmm. in terms of the suffering and that type of stuff. But <clears throat> what we see, they both kind of meander. I mean, my, my American brain, you know, says, hey, wait a minute. You know, we want three points in a poem. We want five tips for a better marriage. We don't necessarily mm -hmm. want Job and his friends slugging it out. And then God coming in and saying, hey, can you control Leviathan? And oh, I guess not. You know, <laughs> so, and I'm going to restore everything. I mean, that's the super condensed version of, you know, my take on, on Job. But with Ecclesiastes, it seems like more, I mean, I guess because the way I've been taught, um, 
you mentioned the, uh, you know, what, what is the word for meaningless? Are there other hidden nuggets, Dr. Russell Meek, in the book of Ecclesiastes that have been hiding in plain sight, and we've just pulled two or three verses out, put them on uh, Precious Moments figurines and sold them in Christian bookstores? Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I appreciate you mentioned the, like, kind of non-linear nature of the book. It kind of mm-hmm. goes around in circles, yeah. and I think that's one uh, kind of, yeah, nugget hiding in, in plain sight there is you, th- you think about whenever you've experienced some sort of tragedy in life or some injustice has happened or for example like my grandmother dying of cancer and the way we process that is we don't just kind of go in this straight line you know we kind of go in circles we come back to the event we think about it we work through it we get better for a little while and then all of a sudden it's back we're, we're back thinking about it again and trying to process and figure out where God is and what's going on. So we, we don't go through life in this with, you know, five steps to a better marriage. Um, no. It's like super helpful to think of it that way, but we actually go through cycles, you know, and try to process things um, in a cyclical way. And so I think that is really helpful that in, in the Bible, it models that human experience. Um, and then also the book, uh, I talk about this in my book. There are all of these references to Genesis um, mm. that that we miss. I think if we're um, just because of our culture, you know, we have like all, all sorts of entertainment options. We can watch Netflix all night long or Hulu or whatever, or um, you can like get you can access like any book in the world. And so we have all of these inputs, um, social media, you know, you know, everything. Um, but the original audience, like they didn't have access to all this, all, all these other forms of entertainment or input. And so they were like much more steeped in the scriptures than we are. And so we miss out on, on, and we're not reading in Hebrew. Um, right. And so we miss out on these like little, um, you know, breadcrumbs that are pointing us back to the book of Genesis throughout the book, you know, the, the, statements about humans being created from the dust, the all the garden imagery in chapter two, of course, the Hebrew word Hevel, which is the name Abel, um, all of these, at all of these points throughout the book, it's like the author is telling us like, hey, remember the book of Genesis, and he's wanting us to, I think, have a Genesis-shaped view of what he's writing, and then also of kind of all of life, you know, we need to be thinking about what it means to be like made in God's image and mm-hmm. what, what creation is and who God made us to be and how he created us to live. You know, that's, it's so powerful. And I, I'm sitting here with my mind blown right now, simply because of the fact that what you're bringing up is changing the way, I mean, for 60 years, I've looked at Ecclesiastes. Well, maybe not in the, in the utero, but I mean, you know, once I was old enough to start flipping through a Bible and I'm like, oh yeah, this is the part that we just keep going on because everything's meaningless. I mean, right. if you're reading it in your one-year Bible, I mean, this, this is what Stuart Briscoe would call the cleaner pages of the Old Testament because no one's taking notes on this stuff. Right. But now right. we have a resource and I, I have neglected to mention the title uh, for the past few moments. Russell Meek is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Dr. <laughs> Meek is the author of a brand new book called Ecclesiastes and the Search for Meaning in an Upside down world we have a link for the book up at the bottom line show.com we'll be giving away a copy or two on the other side of this break as we continue we'll, we'll get a little bit deeper into why this is so important for us to uh, to understand because it's not just solomon's musing saying well i used to be the smartest guy in the world and then i wasn't and now i am again because i realized i wasn't 
but rather, you know, this is something that is applicable to each of us here today in 2022. More of my conversation with Russ Meek in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Call Dennis Wilson and his team today. Wilson Financial Services, honoring God and their clients by stewarding their money well. 800-696-9970. Just reviewed a client who put money into 3D alternative versus leaving it in a bank. The results are in and they're fun. It's a fun report. Bank zero, God's kingdom, two churches in Africa. I often wonder why God's people don't do a better job with stewarding God's money. And I personally think one of them is that they've never been told how or why they should be doing it. Maybe they never heard it's God's money and we're only to be the good stewards of it. But just for fun, this turned out Bank Zero, God's Kingdom, two churches in Africa. This isn't your money. This is God's money. And we want to show you how to be the best possible steward you can be. Wilson Financial Services, 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. First, though, I want to give you an update on the tremendous event that have been happening in the past couple of days here on the Bottom Line Show with our friends from Preborn. Over the past two days, you've had an opportunity to take advantage of a dollar-for-dollar match on Monday and then Dennis Wilson's ultrasound match, which is still in full effect. There's still a couple thousand dollars left on that to give away as well. Every $28 donation saves one baby's life. A $15,000 donation provides enough for an ultrasound machine. All the donations are tax-deductible, and every penny goes toward ultrasound uh, technology. I want to thank Mary in Portola for a $350 donation toward an ultrasound machine. Deborah in Chula Vista, $500 donation toward an ultrasound machine. Those are going to be matched up against Dennis Wilson's uh, $7,500 match that's going to get us another ultrasound machine. And thank you, Thomas from Sunset Beach, for actually donating $15,000 this week for one ultrasound machine that was subject to a dollar for dollar match. So now that one ultrasound machine becomes two. Call 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com. Click the preborn banner. It only takes about a minute to make a donation to save a baby's life. Go to preborn today. Yeah. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. That's music from Jonathan Kane from Journey. And Jonathan is going to be joining me this Friday here on Good News Friday. He has a brand new Christmas album out called Christmas is Love. And you're going to get a chance to win copies of that extended play album. Okay. Uh, my thanks again to Russell Meek, who's with us today here on the Bottom Line, taking a little midpoint reset in our conversation with Dr. Meek about his book called Ecclesiastes and the Search for Meaning in an Upside Down World. When you look at what's happening politically, when you look at what's happening spiritually, uh, how many people are being challenged emotionally, uh, look to the book of Ecclesiastes and don't just read it as, uh, well, this is Solomon's journey. And at the end, he says this too is meaningless and have a good life and this, that and the other thing. Um, You really will find uh, significance in life by reading and ruminating on the passages of uh, the words of Solomon and Ecclesiastes, so issues of abuse and trauma and forgiveness. I mean, let's not lose sight of the fact that the redeeming work of Jesus Christ is written throughout the pages of the Old Testament as well as the New. And that's why this book is so crucial, especially for such a time as this. We've got three copies to give. And I have a half hour to the program yet. I haven't mentioned today's Everyone Wednesday. Everybody who calls the bottom line show today at 800-227-5278 is going to win something. And Russell Meek, we've got a couple of copies, two or three copies of his book to give away. Uh, Ecclesiastes and the Search for Meaning in an Upside-Down World. So give us a call right now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. 
Uh, we're taking calls on this right up until about, uh, well, let's say 345 Pacific, 445 Mountain before we get into another segment of the program today. So you got to hustle. But since you're listening to the first half hour, you get in first. <laughs> so you get in on the drawing. You get you get first in line, if you will, for one of the books that we're giving away today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You'll get a copy. We've got uh, one of three copies to give away from Dr. Russell Meek's book called Ecclesiastes and the Search for Meaning in an Upside-Down World. You know, it's it's amazing how many people will pursue politics or pursue money or pursue material possessions, all in hopes of finding meaning and significance. And you've talked to people like this. I've talked to people like this. You may have even been that person who once you got to whatever that mountain was, whatever the, uh, the that thing you were reaching to climb, that point of significance, you got there and it just felt so empty. It really didn't have the oomph that you thought it was. You've been told for years. I've seen this happen with sports teams. You know, they've worked so hard. We're going to get to the championship. This is the year we get to the championship. And then they get to that championship match, and they're kind of looking around going, now what? And maybe they don't play well enough to win the title. Or maybe it's that degree. Maybe it's that car, that home, that relationship, whatever you might be chasing. We've seen this happen in the world of the church. A lot of churches, I was digging through some things. My folks uh, moved into assisted living recently, and so we're wading through a lot of their memories after 67 years of marriage. And, and it's funny, the couple across the hall in their new uh, facility have been married 70 years. And my mom looks at me and smiles and goes, she said, yeah, we're just the new kids on the block, <laughs> those old folks across the way. But I came across something that was a uh, kind of a PR piece for a church we had been a part of where they were trying to do a fundraising campaign to build a sanctuary. Forward in faith. They had a theme song. They had a banquet. They were all ready to go. And you know what happened? That church is no more. <laughs> Put your faith in what is real and what is legit and know that real meaning involves life in Christ. More of my conversation with Russell Meek in just a moment as the bottom line continues. When you're injured in an accident, you just want to be treated like a human being. But when you are denied what you need to make a quick and full recovery, it can feel dehumanizing. Stephanie Cover puts her clients total healing first, and that means fighting for a settlement that respects you as a human being. The insurance companies don't necessarily care about why you need a settlement, but they know that it means they will lose money. Stephanie will stand up for a dollar amount that values your life and the full process of your complete restoration. Even when the insurance companies are doing their best not to pay you, you have a leg up because Stephanie Cover used to work for those same insurance companies. Getting you well-positioned for your full physical, financial, and spiritual recovery is Stephanie's goal in working with you. Save her number now or call 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Then fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. Stephanie Cover, she knows the other side. If you are involved in a personal injury accident, whether it's in your car or maybe a slip and fall at work or at church, please rest assured that you don't understand personal injury law. The insurance company is not looking out for you, but Stephanie Cover will be your advocate. You've got to have her name and number in your contacts. Stephanie with an F, Cover is in cover, 877-214-4935. 
Dr. Russell Meek is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We're having a great conversation about his new book called Ecclesiastes and the Search for Meaning in an Upside Down World. And you're probably thinking, yeah, Roger, only you would think that this is a great conversation because it's about Ecclesiastes. But Dr. Meek has such a winsome spirit about uh, the way he approaches this. And remember, this is the 12-year-old kid who used to read uh, commentaries about the Old Testament for breakfast. So that's I mean, th th you're getting a really enthusiastic approach to studying the Old Testament. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Meek, I'm sure the question you get asked more often than not is, okay, it's the Old Testament. And the church is all about the New Testament. You know, we're, we're all about the Pauline epistles. We're all about the gospel, going to all the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What is the, what was your hope when you wrote this book? Because the the subtitle got me. I mean, the, the looking for meaning in an upside down world, I think most people would agree over the past three, four years, we've seen the world literally turn on its head. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the Old Testament plays such a, significant role in my life and faith because um you know I, I shared earlier i grew up in like this abusive family i lost my grandmother my dad was an alcoholic um and i struggled with drug and alcohol abuse for a very very long time well into my seminary days so you know i'm sitting there learning greek and hebrew um getting straight a's and then going and uh getting drunk at night or or getting high and so there's this like real disconnect in my heart and my life. And I, I've never, I, I had a really hard time figuring out how to process my emotions and how to like connect to other humans, how to connect to God. I mean, there was like a, just a real struggle and man, my heart in teaching the old Testament, I've been teaching for 10 years now, my heart in writing about, um, the struggles of the Old Testament and why I love the Old Testament so much is because I find in it like people like me, like it's not people mm -hmm. who have it all together. You know, when I think about you think about Paul, like, of course, I mean, there was the whole like murdering Christians thing. Um, what, but when you read or when I read the old, the New Testament, at least I kind of get the sense that like uh, Things are mostly pretty good. I mean, obviously the churches are all, all messed up in the New Testament, um, but you don't have like those stories of a guy like Jacob, who is just like a horrible person who shows favoritism and lies and cheats. And yet God still loves him. God still mm -hmm. chose him. And so the Old Testament to me is like this story of really messed up people that God loves because God is good. And so I wanted to write this book in particular on Ecclesiastes because Ecclesiastes gives us this model, I think, for how to navigate like human life, you know, how taking joy in the gifts of God and trusting the Lord. And it was like such a helpful and faithful companion to me as I tried to figure out how to live life. And it was just amazing to me when you think about there's this book in the Bible inspired by God written thousands of years ago that I can pick up and read. And here's a guy who is struggling with similar questions. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, he says, sometimes the fastest runner doesn't win the race. Sometimes in the place of justice, there's wickedness. Uh, sometimes you work your whole life and you die and you, you leave an inheritance to your son who's a fool and just blows it all. I haven't gotten to that part yet. Um, <laughs> but but he just acknowledges the reality of struggle and suffering yeah. 
and tells us to trust God and love God and take joy in him. And man, I, that's like so encouraging. It's very appealing. And I'm talking with Dr. Russell Meek today here on the bottom line about his brand new book called Ecclesiastes and the search for meaning in an upside down world. We have a link for the book up at the bottom line show.com. And you were talking about how the fastest runner doesn't always win the race. I was thinking I, I work with a guy who's a big football fan and he loves uh, Tom Brady, you know, that legacy that he has in the NFL. And, and I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, as a Christian, I always identified more with like Bernie Kosar. You know, or the, the guy, he doesn't look like he should be getting it done, but he just kept finding ways to win. You know, Ken Stabler with those weird shovel passes. But yeah. I, it's great that you see and that you saw you, that, that when you were wrestling, when you were struggling, you had a heart, you had a spirit that said, I want to learn more. I want to go serve God. I want to dig as deep into this as I can. But you also had the flesh battle going on that said, right after I finished the six pack and knocked down a couple of joints, you know what I mean? Or whatever right, it was you were right. doing. And yet you find kinship in the script, the words of the scriptures and I help us. Can you help us understand what you were attempting to do with this book and how you think you've accomplished that? Yeah, I guess I was attempting to speak to people who might have a similar history, a similar past as me, you know, who mm -hmm. said, man, I, I, I pray this prayer from Mark nine. I prayed it this morning, you know, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, belief, yeah. man. I, and I pray that still all the time. And I guess I want to, if there are other people who are praying that same thing and are wondering, like, how do I make sense of this world? How do I make it through like suffering or trauma and like come out on the other side, like healthy and whole and trusting the Lord and walking with him? Mm -hmm. I want to help that person, you know, and I, I don't want to say, hey, here, here is a book in the Bible that can help us get to that place, you know, that can help you. Here's a, a, a fellow traveler, you know, from thousands of years ago who's walked a similar path and like they made it out on the other side. Yeah. So you can too, you know. Mm -hmm. That's encouraging. So I'm glad the subtitle isn't Ecclesiastes, Five Simple Steps for Turning Your Frown Upside Down, you know, <laughs> back to our thing earlier, but rather the, the, the search for meaning because we all, we want purpose, you know, that purpose-driven life is one of the most popular books in the church and in the world over the past 30 years. People want to know that they're here for a reason and they also want to know there's a sense of order. And take the last couple of minutes of, of our time together, Russ. I want to focus in on that upside down thing. I believe that God's a God of order and not of chaos. And yet he's, you know, what was Jesus prayer in John 17? You know, keep him here, but keep him safe. How, yeah. do we na how do we navigate the weirdness, the upside downness of the world, knowing that God has literally made our steps right side up? Yeah. Um, I mean, it we have to hang on to God, like with everything we have, you know, of course, like he keeps us. And yet he also, it's like that command, uh, be filled with the Holy spirit. It's like a passive command, but right. you're expected to keep it, you know? So how do you, what's the divine human relationship there? Um, yeah. uh, I'm not a new Testament scholar, so I don't have to worry about that. But, uh, <laughs> uh you know, I think, um, we do what Ecclesiastes says, you know, which is to, to fear God and keep his commands, you know, trust him. And that fearing is, uh, is, is more of like a reverential awe, a yeah. understanding that he's God. And we are not like you mentioned Job and Leviathan, like, yeah, Job couldn't, couldn't handle Leviathan and neither can we, but God can. And we have to trust that God is good and that God is faithful and that he does. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. Um, and then like a, another 
big piece of that. And we get all of that through scripture, right? Like it's through like reading scripture and seeking the Lord and praying and living in community uh, with other believers. And then like the other piece that Ecclesiastes gives us is taking joy, you know, and he lists off like food, work, a spouse and wine. And these are the things that Adam and Eve had in the garden of Eden. And so he's, he's saying, if we can push back to that place before sin uh, destroyed everything, and we can take these like momentary fleeting pleasures and just like enjoy them, you know, that's a, a picture of life before the fall. And it's also this wonderful kind of down payment on the marriage supper of the lamb. So like, as we're eating a, a good cheeseburger or, you know, a steak or whatever you like to eat, and you can savor that with your wife, with your kids, with people from your church community, like that is this really small picture of like life in the new heavens and the new earth. And it gives us hope and joy uh, and, and I think grounds us in like the reality of God's redemption. Well, I could see how it's impacted you, Russell Meek, and your enthusiasm is quite contagious, and that, which is part of the reason why I recommend this book. I mean, I liked it even before we met, but now I like it <laughs> even more. The book is called Ecclesiastes and the Search for Meaning in an Upside-Down World. The author is Dr. Russell Meek, who's been my guest today here on The Bottom Line. We've got a link for russmeek.com up at thebottomlineshow.com, as well as information about the book as well. Uh, Dr. Russell Meek, great to get to know you, sir. Thank you for being with us today here on yeah, The Bottom th- Line. Thanks for having me on great concept and a great book and a very, very helpful resource at that. Dr. Russell Meek, the book is called Ecclesiastes and the Search for Meaning in an Upside Down World. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Everyone Wednesday, I wish I had, but it would be nice if I had, I don't like to wish. Uh, be nice if we had copies of Russ's book, everybody who called. Unfortunately, we only have three. So you've still got an excellent chance of winning this book. 800-227-5278. the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, Call and uh, talk to Crystal, talk to Teresa. Todd may be answering the phones too, depending on how heavy the call volume is. But they always love to talk with you and kind of get to know you a little bit better. Uh, We want to put these books in your hands. And of course, it's more than just the book. It's a nice little gift pack that we put together for everybody. Now, if you call in and we've already given away these books, we have other things to give away because it's Everyone Wednesday. That's our policy here at the Bottom Line Show. We like it when everyone wins. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, speaking of winners and losers, we have a winner in the uh, Georgia runoff election from last night. Uh, you know fairly well that uh, uh, Senator existing, current incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock defended his position, and now we'll have a full six-year term uh, after having defeated Herschel Walker. It was a very, very close contest. And now there's some postmortems. And one of the things that we as Christians can take a look at is asking ourselves honestly the question, what happened to the Donald Trump influence in the elections this year? And is it time for the Donald either to gin things up and say, now I'm going to go make a full-throated run at the White House in 2024? Or maybe, speaking from Ecclesiastes, to everything there is a season, and maybe the Donald Trump season has finally come to an end. We're going to open up the phones and give you a chance to weigh in on that as well. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Bless your children with the help you've always wanted to give them. Newport Bay Mortgage works with your unique circumstances to explain the benefits of a reverse mortgage in today's market. 
Act now and provide for your family in need by gifting them a fraction of the fruits of your labor. With Newport Bay Mortgage, you can clarify the advantages of a reverse mortgage in your specific situation with professional insights on the current market. Sharing the rewards of a reverse mortgage is a valuable act of service that helps your loved ones establish valuable financial security for the future. Use the gift from your home to contribute towards God's work and plans by blessing your family in need with real financial help. Make up your mind today to make a difference in the lives of those who mean the most to you. Start by calling Newport Bay Mortgage at 714-741-8080, 714-741-8080. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse or NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage is an equal opportunity housing lender. I appreciate what Cliff Pelican is doing for Bottom Line Show listeners with uh, helping you explore all the different types of reverse mortgages and what you can do. There are reverse mortgages typically for people who are 62 or older, but some start at age 55. And the money that you can use out of your home to bless your kids and grandkids, it's second to none. Uh, go to kbrightradio.com forward slash reverse today. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Taking your calls on this Everyone Wednesday. Uh, calls if you'd like to get in on the drawings for the books. We have three copies of uh, Dr. Russell Meek's book, Ecclesiastes and the Search for Meaning in an Upside-Down World, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, we're also taking your calls for the rest of the program today on your reaction to the Raphael Warnock victory over uh, Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker ran on the fact that he's conservative, he's Republican, he's African-American, and he won a Heisman Trophy. I mean, there, he does not have really the political chops to say, yeah, I'm going to do a good job. But these days, more and more, it seems like the higher up the office, the less requirements people are holding, <laughs> asking for anyway. Hey, why not? He knows how to handle the media. Someone could tell him what to do and how to vote. The, the reasons why this election mattered are a little different than they were in the runoff in January of 2021. In the January 2021 runoff, which happened after the uh, presidential election of uh, November of 2020, there was one seat that was vacated and had to be filled. That was the one that Raphael Warnock won. It was a, a seat that was only for a couple of years. And both of the seats were, the other was up for re-election. Georgia has some rather specific runoff rules with regard to what happens when a candidate uh, wins the election but doesn't win the majority of the votes. And it's kind of a fun way of doing it, I think. Uh, if you could get a third party candidate in there who's the stick in the spoke that keeps either of the main party candidates from uh, reaching the 50 percent threshold, then there has to be a runoff. And in this case, there was a libertarian candidate who ran in Georgia's general election and wound up taking like 2% of the vote. So uh, Raphael Warnock had 49.7% and Herschel Walker had like 49.4. So neither one of them, they were super close and neither one of them uh, prevailed by a 50% margin. So they had to have the runoff. Now this runoff was different because it happened six weeks after the general election, four weeks after the general election. It wasn't that far after. It involved early voting, which is part of Georgia's new election integrity uh, law. And uh, it, it involved something that the GOP didn't count on. I honestly don't think the GOP played this race to win nationally. Uh, and, and you ask the question, well, why would you say something like that? Uh, firsthand experience of one major party saying we're going to direct the money that we have 
fundraising wise to certain candidates and certain races nationwide. And we aren't going to do it in other areas. I don't, if you've been listening to the bottom line show for a long time, you may remember a, a guy by the name of Tim Donnelly. Uh, Tim was a businessman in the Twin Peaks area in California. He ran first for the open seat in California's 59th Assembly District, and then he ran again for the full term in California's 8th Assembly District. I met Tim shortly after the Bottom Line show began. Um, he's a hardworking business guy from right here in Southern California and conservative. Uh, he was when the Minutemen were a big deal in Arizona, talking about the uh, the president not going to Arizona, but not visiting the actual border, saying, I got more important things to do. When even the left-leaning media now, like MSNBC, is saying, hey, in case you haven't noticed, we have a border crisis. But Tim uh, ran for assembly. He and I did some work together on a project that helped uh, lead to an audit of Child Protective Services in 15 counties here in the state of California. It's the first time we actually physically you know, shook hands. And I kind of emceed the event and Tim kind of ran it. And then he ran for governor in 2014. And at that point, Jerry Brown was running for reelection and Jerry Brown basically had California sewn up. And Tim, I thought had a, he would have made an excellent governor. But the problem he ran into was the GOP, the Republican Party of California, was not planning on even trying to contest that seat. And so they promoted a guy by the name of Neil Cash Carey or Kashkari, we used to call him Neil Kashinkari because he, he seemed to bounce around the country from uh, one seat to another. As a matter of fact, last I heard, I think he is the Federal Reserve Rep for the state of Minnesota or something like that. But anyway, he did not have a snowball's chance and you know where of winning the election. And yet the GOP got all excited about him. It's kind of the John Cox in 2018 thing. You know, let's get everybody excited, give them some false hope. They'll win a few counties, but they really don't have a prayer and we're not, not going to spend any money. Tim campaigned himself into the ground to try to get the Republican nomination. He wound up coming third in the primaries. I remember doing an interview with Tim one time during the election. He was on the campaign trail with his wife, Rowena, and he was in a bus. They were driving around from town to town. He said he could do a phone hit, as they call it here with us, around 4 o'clock in the afternoon on that day. And he was asleep on the bus when we called him. Poor guy. He was working so hard. But Tim said, look, I ran up against the cartel of the GOP, and they did not want me. I can say fairly safely that the GOP did not really have a lot of enthusiasm for Herschel Walker, and yet he came within one or two percentage points of actually winning the seat by definition. Now, what happens here is what we've had for the past two years is there have been uh, an even split, 50 Republican, 50 Democrat uh, senators, and two of the senators are independents, but they're basically Democrats. Bernie Sanders is one of them. I think it's Angus King is the other. What happens in a case like that is when it's 50-50, if there's a tie-breaking vote to be cast, it's the president of the Senate who casts that vote, and the president of the Senate is also known as the vice president of the United States. Now, this happened a couple of times during Donald Trump's presidency where Vice President Mike Pence had to go and cast a vote in favor of, uh, you know, whatever, <laughs> truth, justice in the American way. Now, with Vice President Kamala Harris voting, um, that basically it's a guarantee for the Democrats. The fact that the Democrats had now have 51 Senate seats means that they don't have to do that anymore. They don't have to worry about tie-breaking votes, which just between you and me, I think is a gift to the American people. We don't have to hear the vice president speak as often. And I only say that because not too many people are thrilled with her vocal presentation skills. Just saying that. 
But now when it comes to forming committees, what people don't understand is for the past two years, the committees had to be 50-50. You know, do we uh, confirm a judge or not? Had to be 50-50. Now the Democrats will have a majority in every committee. They'll have a majority in every nomination for a judicial seat. They'll have a, a, an advantage. They'll get, a, a, who is it? A, a Senator James Lankford from Oklahoma uh, was saying that uh, one of the problems here people don't realize is the Democrats in the Senate will now have control over two-thirds of the money that comes through the different committees and different bills. So get ready for a lot of pork spending bills that rhino cowardly Republicans will initiate in the House to try to be olive branch extenders, and then President Biden will sign them. So we could see even further runaway spending from the House and Senate and further levels of national debt. But I found came across a couple of reactions to this from a faith-based perspective, this, this election result. And I wanted to get your take because there's a recurring theme through most of the postmortems, especially on the conservative side. And the recurring theme is, hey, here goes Herschel Walker, yet another guy that first Trump tried to knock off course, but then when he got behind him, it wound up hurting him. And the question that I believe we in the body of Christ can ask ourselves, we can ask today here, take a little informal poll, is has the Trump factor finally worn off? Did his comment about throwing away the Constitution even taken out of context, did it do more harm than good at the polls? Why did not the Republican Party put any money into Herschel Walker's uh, campaign in the runoff? I mean, there's, these are questions to ask and answer, but the phone lines are open. I'd love to get your take. Basically, the main question is, did the Trump era come to an end with Herschel Walker's defeat last night? 800-227-5278, 800 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And remember, it's Everyone Wednesday. We're still giving away copies. We've got three copies of Russell Meek's book, Ecclesiastes and the Search for Meaning in an Upside-Down World to give away. would love to put one in your household today. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Just a few moments longer in our call-in to uh, get in on the drawing for the book Ecclesiastes and the Search for Spiritual Meaning in Life uh, by Dr. Russell Meek. We've got a link for the book at thebottomlineshow.com. Ecclesiastes and the Search for Meaning in an Upside-Down World is the official title. We've got three copies that are given away today at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. We're also looking at reaction to, and we'll get more into this in the final half hour of the program today, reaction to the Raphael Warnock victory in the Senate race. Uh, he is the victor by about 100,000 votes, maybe, or did I take that back? It might be less than like 60 or 70,000. It's pretty tight. And Herschel Walker, again, Georgia is one of those states where he won the vast majority of the counties. There's 159 counties in Georgia. And if you looked at any of the news maps last night, they were almost all red. But when it comes to number of people voting, it's those big blue counties that really made it work. And, and some things to think about. People who on the left were decrying the uh, Georgia uh, election integrity bill that was signed by Governor Kemp uh, last year. This is, remember, uh, the White House said this is Jim Crow 2.0. Stacey Abrams talked about disenfranchisement. And that's, that, that's part of the mantra, especially of the left-leaning African-American community. You know, disenfranchise, put us all back to before the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is the voting turnout in the African-American community was huge. 
Now, the number of people who voted in the 2022 runoff, not as big as the one who voted in the last runoff. And the number of people who voted in the 2022 midterms was about 400,000 higher than the number of people who voted in the, uh, the runoff. But interestingly enough, all the headlines are saying, Herschel Walker got 200,000 fewer votes than he did on election day in November. Well, there were 400,000 fewer votes cast. So if he got 200,000 fewer votes, so did Raphael Warnock. So that's really not a fair assessment. They both got, you know, a same proportionate amount of fewer votes. But what do we in the church make of this and this very issue that, in fact, the Donald Trump factor did not provide wow at all when it comes to members of the House, members of the Senate, um, and their re-elections or their new election bids. There were 23 House seats that flipped, but they were anticipating it would be more like 45 and that they would all go red. So what happened? 800-227-5278. Last half hour of the program, we're going to take a look at some of the reaction, especially from people in the church community, as to what happened to Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. But also... Uh, Take a look at what this means. I'd love to get your take on this. Is this, I mean, Donald Trump has announced he's running for president in 2024. And I know a lot of bottom line listeners will gladly support him in 2024. But I'm curious, especially if you're a Trump supporter or were until last night, if you're looking at this now and saying, okay, this is where we double down and go full steam ahead, or this is where maybe we pump the brakes a little bit and say, gosh, is there a Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley ticket? in our future? Is there a, uh, I don't know, Ted Cruz and Christy Nome ticket in our future? I mean, who are the, who are the up and comers? Is it Marco Rubio's time finally to step into the spotlight and say, yeah, I, I will be your president and I will speak to the nation's growing uh, Hispanic community. And let me, <laughs> let me talk to faith and that type of thing. 800-227-5278, 800 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. The gospel according to Rush today, it sounds like it. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It's everyone Wednesday today, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, before we go to the phones here, and uh, we're taking your calls for the rest of the program today on whether or not you think it's time for Donald Trump to hang it up. I've seen too many. Uh, Jim Garrity, writing in National Review, said that this is the end of the Trump era because the last Trump candidate, Herschel Walker, uh, basically it was kind of a, a, a resounding thud from Georgia Republicans who said they just didn't have the enthusiasm for this guy. Now there's a 51 to 49 Democrat majority in the U.S. Senate. And even though that's the slimmest of simple majorities, uh, though it is good news that we don't ever have to hear Kamala Harris give a speech and cast a deciding vote. <laughs> I'm just not a big fan of her voice. Uh, 51-49 means a lot more money and a lot more influence for Senate Democrats. It means a lot more activist judges. And trust me, Joe Biden will be hustling like crazy over the next two years because as much as he talks a good game about wanting to run for re-election. He's not running for re-election. I, mean, I, I can say that's sure as, sure as shooting. There's no way Joe Biden's running for re-election. Absolutely none. Unless they th see some value of him winning the election for re-election or trying to anyway, and then giving getting out of the way for somebody else, uh, it's not going to happen. Gavin Newsom's playing good boy and saying, I'm not going to run, I'm not going to run, but you know they're going to tap him in once the 25th Amendment shows up. And what happens to Kamala? That's the big question. But Senate Democrats have a couple of years now to really make hay because Republicans dropped the ball. There was no red wave. 
There was no politics as business as usual. Democrats like mail-in voting and they like early voting so they can get all their stuff in there. So the media can say, look at this overwhelming lead that they have. And that keeps some people from coming to the polls. It also lets them know how many votes they already have in early that are counted so they can run around doing ballot harvesting and in some cases ballot trafficking to get enough votes in to win their elections. Remember, the Herschel Walker case is a very textbook example for Republicans all across the country. There are 159 counties in Georgia and Herschel Walker won the majority of them. But he didn't win the right ones. And therein lies the problem. You know, when you win the county, that has 8,000 voters in it, that doesn't help you when you're losing the big blue counties, Fulton County and things like that, where all the Hollywood types, all the elites live. What do you think? Is it a simple question? Is it time for Donald Trump to hang it up? 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. And of course, it's Everyone Wednesday, and on Everyone Wednesday, you know what that means. That means everyone wins. So if you call in and you want something, a lot of times people call in to talk and they don't necessarily want anything. They just want to talk. Um, But if you do want a prize and you want to call in on the program, please go ahead and do so. I want to thank some people before we go further. We've had a couple of great days so far in raising awareness and raising funds for our friends at Preborn. Today being Pearl Harbor Day, that means it's December 7th, 24 days left of the year. And as you're planning out your charitable contributions, I encourage you to make a donation to Preborn. Um, I did not think I'd be able to say this today, but we still have a bit of Dennis Wilson's matching gift from yesterday that's available for an ultrasound machine. So here's where we stand right now. I want to thank Terry, who called in from Cathedral City, a $1,120 donation. Uh, James, who called in from Garden Grove with a $140 donation. Uh, Clinette, who uh, called in from Corona with a $28 donation. Every interval of $28 that you call to preborn means one more ultrasound. 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic, when they have the ultrasound, the 83% decide to keep the child. And remember, there are three options when a woman is pregnant in the United States. Option number one, congratulations, you're a mom, we'll throw you a baby shower. Option number two, it's legal in half the states in the United States to abort the child and medical abortions or chemical, whatever you want to call them, the abortion pill is more readily accessible to women all across the country using the internet and telemedicine. So just because you ban surgical abortions in your state doesn't mean people in your state aren't getting medical abortions. But the equalizer, hands down, is the ultrasound. No question. The women who I've been told for years, this is a women's reproductive health right, this is reproductive justice, this is access to health care, they're stealing your constitutional rights, our democracy is at risk. You've heard all of those arguments. Those are some of the same arguments that Reverend Raphael Warnock made in his re-election campaign in Georgia. Reverend Raphael Warnock. As a matter of fact, some of the reaction to the Warnock win, here's another man who claims to be a pastor. His name is, he goes by the name of the Reverend William, Bar- William Barber II. He is part of an organization called the Poor People's Campaign, which is a progressive faith organization. He went on Twitter yesterday to congratulate Reverend Warnock for his victory. Yes, at Reverend Warnock, you spoke a vision of, now listen to this, love, mercy, and justice to the people of Georgia, and the people have spoken. He now says that he hopes that, uh, he's also the pastor of a place called Greenleaf Christian Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina. He said he hopes Congress passes various measures before Republicans take control of the House of Representatives next year. 
He wants the restoration of Roe versus Wade. Um, the the House of Representatives did, in fact, pass the, uh, the a, a, code, a version that would codify it into law. He's hoping that the Senate will move. And this is something else that we have to take into consideration. With the Raphael Warnock victory, ironically and sadly, a pastor could be casting the deciding vote to codify abortion into federal law. How did we get to this state? I mean, of being in the United States where a pastor could run for U.S. Senate, hold that Senate seat and could wind up casting the deciding vote to pass a measure in the U.S. Senate based on a law that's already passed the House of Representatives that would be signed into law by an abortion-loving Catholic man who claims the faith of Jesus Christ and participates in the Eucharist on a regular basis and still has absolutely no trouble, as a majority of Catholics do, by the way. Absolutely no trouble killing life in the womb. I know I'm going to hear from Catholics. They'll say, we don't support that. No, pro-life Catholics don't. But there are a number of culturally Catholic people who go to Mass but don't really have a relationship with God, just like there are culturally Jewish people. I talked to a Jewish lawyer on this program one time who wrote a book about atheism. And he told me that the whole time he went through a season where he identified as an atheist, he was still Jewish. And I thought, okay, do you realize what that sounds like? You are part of God's chosen people who also did not believe in God. How do you get to have membership in both clubs? But the idea that Roe versus Wade could now pass because there was not a strong enough Republican presence in Georgia, Georgia was a lot more critical to the sanctity of life movement than I think a lot of Christians took into consideration. Is this all on Donald Trump? I think you can make a case for saying yes. Just as Trump's voice brought a lot of Christians, a lot of conservatives, a lot of Republicans together in 2016, I think it's a dividing issue now. It's a, it's a wedge against the things that God could be doing through this party. So the question then is, is it time for him to stand down? Is it time for him to say, I'm passing the baton to somebody else? I'm going to be the biggest cheerleader. What do you think? 800-227-5278. There are no wrong answers here on this call-in, by the way. There really aren't. If you are pro-Trump and you think, no, he's got to double down, and once we get him back in the White House, I'll be honest with you, I had a guest lined up today who is a member of the Trump cabinet. Peter Navarro has written a book basically on how we can win the White House again if you're a Trump supporter. And at the last minute, inexplicably, his publicist contacted my producer, Tamara Comito, and said, Pete's no longer doing interviews. And I thought, what does that mean? I mean, first the president announces, or President Trump announces he was running again. Did that right after the midterm elections. And they've got this big PR tour lined up, and we were honored that they reached out to us. I mean, come on, we're a pretty small operation. It's not like we we don't, we, we are blessed to hang with some pretty nice people, but they usually found us. It's not the other way around. So what happened? Well, hopefully we'll find out. Hopefully he'll, it was just a scheduling issue and he'll be able to come on and talk with us. But I'm curious as to what you think. I really am. 800-227-5278. Is it time for Donald Trump to hang it up after the Raphael Warnock victory that basically now ensures that uh, I still hold the president responsible or former president responsible for the Georgia runoffs in January 2021, where he told people not to go to the polls and they listened to him. And two Democrats won. And 
basically created a tie in the U.S. Senate, made America more radical and more leftist. But I'd love to hear what you think. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. Ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive 6% CD alternative. This unique real estate-backed investment has continued to perform exceptionally well in good times and in bad. I just reviewed a client file, and it really felt bad because in reviewing the file, I realized that if they had followed the advice they had received, if they had put the money in the CD alternative, as I had recommended, they would have earned enough to build a church in Africa. Instead, the money is still in the bank, earning nothing but dust. I realized how important it is to know it's God's money and we're just a good steward of it. One simple idea on the CD alternative would build a church in Africa. Honoring God and their clients by stewarding their money well. Call 800-696-9970. That's 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Very earth, wind, and fire day today here on Everyone Wednesday here on the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. I want to thank a couple of people here. Deborah and Chula Vista called it a $500 donation to Preborn. And uh, Mary and Portola also called in a $350 donation. Those gifts are doubled thanks to a special matching gift from Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial and his colleague Jeff Wood. They've put up the first uh, half of an ultrasound machine. And we have still, you can hear it, $850 donated toward it. It costs $7,500 to get half of an ultrasound machine. And this is a completely tax-deductible way for you to share the good news of the gospel with a woman who's facing a pregnancy that she did not plan, or maybe that she did and doesn't know what to do, and everyone's telling her you should think about adoption or abortion. Preborn offers her the good news that she needs to know about the health of the child, how far along she is, and then also... They have a great evangelism program, too, and nearly 8,000 women came to faith in Christ last year because of the ministry of preborn. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner for preborn today and know that every dollar you give toward preborn will be matched by Dennis and Jeff and up to $7,500 to get us that next ultrasound machine. It's $15,000 for an ultrasound machine in a health, preborn healthcare center. But once that does happen, they can be used up to 250 times a year for at least 10 years. And the cost of doing the, uh, uh, the ultrasound goes down dramatically when we can help the pregnancy health center actually uh, get one rather than having to save up money and buy one. So 833-850-BABY. Make your best donation today and know that there's a match in place from Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial Services to help you get there. 800-227-5278, the number to call here on this Everyone Wednesday. We're talking about Raphael Warnock winning the uh, the senatorial seat in Georgia that was up for grabs last night in the runoff. Now the Democrats have a majority, and it looks like uh, Jim Garrity at National Review said this is the end of the Trump era. My question to you is, do you agree with that assessment? Uh, let's go to the phones now. Doug in Los Angeles. Doug, welcome to the bottom line. Yeah, thanks. I, I'm not sure that it's Trump's end because he's a, he's able to resurrect or God is able to resurrect. I don't know if it's God, but <laughs> but definitely he's able to st- to to stave off uh, his destruction or the the end of him. Um, but he does have so many multiple uh, negatives. 
uh, already coming at him. And he definitely does deserve some of the responsibility in a way uh, mm -hmm. for uh, Herschel being nominated uh, and also just the fact that there needed to be a runoff. And also, the I agree with you that uh, in uh, 2020, he contributed to the problems in Georgia. Uh, mm -hmm. However, it's not only him. I think McConnell uh, shares a good deal of responsibility Agreed. as well. Yes, uh, he's the head of the GOP, and uh, uh, and and he, uh, well, for the most part, he's the head of the GOP as well as Ronna McDaniel. McDaniel, I think both of them are are uh, weak. They have their assets, and McConnell's strong in certain strategy things. But for the most part, I think they contributed uh, in a way that by not contributing, by not uh, financially supporting. Uh, Herschel, and also um, early on publicly saying that that, that the, the roster of uh, Republicans running were not good candidates. And I think while there may be some truth to that, certainly, I don't think that Herschel was a good candidate at all, actually. I thought he was terrible. But he offered something better, ultimately. And I think he can learn. He could have learned along the way, but he wasn't a yeah. good candidate. And neither is Warnock. He's a terrible candidate. But uh, <laughs> worse, because of the results of what we will now see as a result of him, uh, uh, an avowed Marxist, by the way, who says he believes in Jesus. So it's a very yeah. a conundrum, uh, yeah. and we'll have to see what happens. But Well, uh, those, are, those are great thoughts, Doug, and I appreciate it, especially about bringing up the McConnell and the Rona McDaniel issue. Those are two things that the GOP is going to have to actually uh, you know, take a really hard look at. And, and one of the things, I mean, I, the, the best part of the campaign for me, I mean, in watching this, was when Herschel Walker said, unashamedly after thanksgiving people asked him come on man i mean early voting started the saturday after thanksgiving you know local saturday was also early voting saturday and democrats always flood the polls they also you know they, they do early mail-in whereas the gop kind of sit on their hands and hold hold the next thing you know they show up on election day uh, the question was raised why aren't you out there campaigning and he said quite frankly i don't have any money left i mean they basically put all of the money into the actual election nodded. They didn't save anything for the runoff. And that's something that Mitch McConnell has got on his hands uh, with regard to why they wouldn't back this guy. I was sharing my uh, story about my friend Tim Donnelly, who ran for governor in California. And the California GOP said, we're not giving you any money. I'm Simply put, we're putting all of our money into Neil Cash Carey, and, uh, and we know he's going to lose. We're going to minimize the damage, and we'll try again in 2018. And there comes a point, I think, where, you know, the American people are saying, well, how should I be voting? They're asking that question. But if your political party is, you know, kind of bereft of, of any sort of strategy, too, then how do you back someone that doesn't have a vision? Uh, without a vision, people perish, the scriptures tell us. And quite frankly, it seems that for those who have conservative values, biblical values and are looking for a political party to land in, um, there does not seem to be a political party for us. I know many people in California, uh, present company included, have adopted a no party preference mentality. I mean, I'm, we're all about uh, policies rather than politics. We're all about, uh, uh, you know, the, literally making sure that the, uh, the, the, the preferences or platforms uh, match our values. And so the, the candidate doesn't become as important, but still you need someone who's going to be fighting for that. And I think as, as people in the body of Christ, you know, to hear a man who professes to be a pastor like Raphael Warnock and another like William Barber saying, yeah, that's our guy. Um, and seeing all the people, you know, kind of fawning all over Raphael Warnock, who basically just said, don't vote for Herschel Walker. He's an idiot. Uh, you know, Herschel tried to play that down home, aw shucks type of thing, and it didn't really work for, work for him. Now, to be fair, this was not a, 
you know, woodshed moment for the Democrats. They didn't take Herschel Walker out and, you know, just really, you know, say, uh, sorry, pal, we're, you're done as far as this goes. They brought in the big guns. President Biden was campaigning. President Obama was everywhere over the past couple of weeks trying to win this thing. And it was not a landslide by any stretch of the imagination. So this is not a, you know, all hope is lost. But I have to wonder for those of us who have been, you know, conservative stalwarts have voted Republican more than Democrat, um, who, you know, even were saying, okay, we'll we'll give the Trump campaign a shot. When you look at the way the politicians are ha- acting right now, the GOP did not have a compelling message as to why they should be voted in. They looked at all the polls and said, well, statistically, Joe Biden has a low approval rating. That means we're going to have a red wave. Statistically, when inflation is really high, that means Republicans are red wave if it's a Democrat president. And the rules like that don't apply anymore. So here's Mitch McConnell leading the GOP in 1984. And the, the political world is in 2022. It's early voting. It's ballot harvesting. It's heavier emphasis on souls to the polls and no emphasis on, you know, Anglo and Hispanic congregations being, you know, targeted as places where you can find more donors, more supporters, more supporters. It's just it's a very, very interesting time. Uh, But we have one one vote cast so far for whether or not this is the end of Trump era. We've got we're going to take a quick break and come back with more of your calls in just a moment. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, I love the fact that when we uh, talk about politics and we talk about, you know, people who put their money where their mouth is. There are so many people who have been supporting us through the pre-born campaign right now. We started out with a goal of raising enough support for 400 kids, and we are way past that now. We're going toward 1000 At $28 per child, I want to thank Barbara from La Jolla for calling in with a $140 donation. That gets us five more kids sponsored. Stephanie from San Marcos, a $100 donation. That gets us that much closer to an ultrasound machine. Paulette in Garden Grove, a $280 donation. That gets us that much closer. That's 10 more kids. And the list goes on. $28 will provide an ultrasound for one woman in a preborn clinic that will literally save a child's life. $15,000 gets us an ultrasound machine that will save 250 babies a year for at least 10 years. Your gift right now of any amount is going to be matched by Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial Services toward the purchase of another ultrasound machine for a preborn pregnancy health center. Will you make an excellent tax deductible year end donation right now? 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Everyone Wednesday today here on The Bottom Line Show at 800-227-5278. Wondering, I mean, kind of post-mortems on the uh, Republican Party, especially the Republican Party led by Donald Trump. He's been rather quiet. Uh, He did tweet out a little something about after Elon Musk did his big uh, uh, expose of how Twitter suppressed information about Hunter Biden's laptop and, and what that could have meant for the Democrat Party. Uh, We were talking about that today on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, which you will hear in bits and pieces on tomorrow's uh, Bottom Line show and also over the weekend as well. We air part one on Saturday's Bottom Line Rewind, as it were, on the weekend, and part two uh, airs on Sunday. So if you want to hear Bob and John and Neil and yours truly uh, talking about the the, the Twitter expose and how that could have impacted the uh, 2020 election, nearly 5% of people who voted for Joe Biden who... uh, 
said they did not know anything about Hunter Biden's dealings with Ukraine or China or Russia. Uh, people who just they didn't know that what he had done, you know, all, all of the emails that the New York Post was talking about turned out to be legit, turned out to be real. And there the poll of exit poll of people when they found out about this and discovered that there was some kind of that the then vice. It's not about Hunter Biden. What he did was he sold information regarding his dad. He sold access to his dad while his dad was the vice president. That's the story. The left will say, well, Hunter Biden hasn't been charged with a crime yet. So who cares? It's not a story. But you had PBS and CBS and NBC and MSNBC saying, we only cover real news. This is not a story. And now here they are two and a half years later going, oh, those emails really were on the laptop. Oh, those files really were there. Um, He really did have meetings at the White House with Chinese officials and Ukraine officials and Russian officials. And his dad really was a part of all that. And the Biden family really did make $31 million off of transactions engaging the Chinese government because the vice president of the United States was involved. I mean, it's a major security scandal. We could be looking at a totally different America right now were it not for that suppression of a story. But try to find it anywhere on ABC, NBC, MSNBC. They won't even talk to it. They won't even touch it. Discredited Substack reporter, blah, blah, blippity, blah. But if you have the cognitive dissonance that says, I can hold two separate ideas at the same time, you can say, yes, as a conservative, Donald Trump turned out to be a good president, but his time has gone, as evidenced by the influence he did or didn't have, positive or negative, on the 2022 midterms. To me, from my vantage point, it looks like this should be the end. But knowing Donald Trump, as Doug from L.A. just called in and said, hey, you know Donald Trump, he's still got a lot more tricks up his sleeve. He's still got a lot more gas left in the tank, a lot more game to play, and he's going to keep hanging around, which means get used to the possibility of six more years of this kind of socialistic Marxist type of thing. But at the end of the day, we have to remember one simple thing as brothers and sisters in Christ. God is in the restoration business right now. He's in the reclamation and redemption business. He is restoring. He's making all things new. It started with the birth of his son, Jesus Christ that Advent season that we celebrate right now in commemoration of his birth and also anticipating his return. And the most important thing that we could be focusing on right now is the birth of that child and the birth of other children as well. As we thank Sherry from uh, uh, Sunset Beach for a $28 donation and Lupe for a $20 donation and Pete from Corona for a $100 donation. And of course, uh, a couple of days ago, Tom from Sunset Beach called in with a $15,000 donation to Preborn. It's ama- that, that's another ultrasound machine going in this, during the course of this year. Last year, Preborn placed 25 ultrasound machines in pregnancy health centers all across the country. This year, so far, they've placed 40, and one of them was a bottom line show ultrasound machine. With Thomas's gift and the special match, Two more are going in before, between now and the end of the year. And with the Dennis Wilson match that's up right now, we still have $7,000 of that match ready for you to take advantage of. Your gift of $500 right now becomes 1000 toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine through Preborn. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229. 833-850-2229. Or go to kbrightradio.com. Click on the Preborn banner. It'll, if you've got autofill for your credit card, it'll take you less than a minute. Or you go to rogermarsh.com. We've got the same link. takes you to the same place. You go to wilson-financial.com. They've got the same link up there, too. 
if the world is coming at children, if people like Raphael Warnock could wind up signing the deciding vote to codify Roe Ro versus Wade into federal law, right now it's just a state's issue, but they could pass, I mean, they've already passed the House, they could pass the Senate. And Republicans in Georgia who stayed home and kept Herschel Walker from winning will now have that on their head and on their hands. The only way we can stand up against life is to show people what human life in the womb looks like, the life that God is knitting together right now. Every moment of every day, new babies are being formed and about to be born. And when they're in the pre-born state, introducing that child to his or her mother is one of the most beautiful experiences you'll ever see. You get to see that face on the ultrasound screen, get to hear that heartbeat, and then mom has two decisions, all right. It used to be the world would tell her, decision number one, you're going to be a mom, and that's going to be hard. It's going to be expensive. Decision number two, we'll just have an abortion. But now the two decisions are, are you going to raise that child or are you going to release that child for adoption? The adoption option is one of my favorites as well for the simple reason that each of us has an adoption story because we've all been adopted into the family of God. And just as that little baby born on Christmas night made it possible for us to have eternal life, God's adoption makes it possible for us to live. That's the bottom line.